1: Welcome to the Thunder Buddies podcast. I'm Joe Masado, joined by Barry Trammell. Here to recap one heck of a ball game. The Thunder beat the Mavericks 120 to 114 in overtime on Wednesday night. We are talking on Thursday morning. Snow is on the ground. All is well. And Barry, that that's got to be. I don't know if it's the, the best Thunder game this season because, you know, Shea's game winner against the, the Clippers would would certainly be up there. That game against the Hornets that they lost on Devontae Graham's buzzer beater. But that was, that was a fun one. You had a little bit of everything. You had Trey Mann score a career-high 29 points. And you had Lou Dort score 14 of the Thunder's 17 overtime points. You had... You know, those guys go for 30 and 29. Luka Doncic goes for 40. It was just a fun one all the way around. It
0: was, and you had, you know, maybe Josh Giddy's the hero of the game. Yeah. Um, he's becoming quite the uh, inbounds uh, phenom. You know, you're too young to remember uh, Wes Unseld, got this reputation as the greatest outlet passer of all time, two-handed overhand you know, he could start a fast break by throwing a two-hand overhand uh, pass up court about 40 feet, 50 feet, and get the get the old Baltimore bullets going. Then Kevin Love sort of took that mantle 10 years ago. It's possible that Josh Giddy is in line to be the greatest inbounds passer of all time. No, it's insane. It's it's it is insane. That was the coolest part of the game. That that game. Uh, Let's see. That would have been the uh, the game tying bucket with seven seconds left, whatever it was, seven point eight or six, whatever it was. Um, and then you asked him about it after the game, and, and he says, oh, that wasn't, yeah, that I I, I disregarded the uh, disregarded the play we had, made eye contact, and uh, Kenrich Williams goes the right way, and and Snookers uh, Luka Doncic and gets a layup. Um, you know, I think back to a whole bunch of old old Thunder games when they were playing for something real and how many times uh they could have used an inbounds play like that in the last seconds of a tight game. So old Giddy's pretty pretty handy guy. That was, was that his tenth assist? Or did he have one in overtime? Anyway, he finished with ten assists. Uh that's that's the coolest assists are those that come off of uh Come off in uh off inbounds plays. it's
1: it's like the the bar for a good inbounds pass late in late game situations is getting the ball in, right? Like yeah, <laughs> getting exactly. the ball in play. <laughs> yeah. Throw it he, to the first like, guy. Throw it to the first <laughs> guy open. Yeah, and he's you know, he was sort of like sheepish when I asked him. He said he completely disregards the play. You can see so there was a video posted of sort of looking at him from the front and he does a, a little tiny nod at Kenrich Williams. And Barry, he's like a he's like a quarterback who throws, you know, leads a receiver into space like when that ball is in the air, like Kenrich Williams isn't even in the frame. He just knows Kenrich is going to cut to that spot under the basket. Luka Doncic's back is turned, so there's no way he even knows the ball's in the air. And then it's just on a rope. You you just They've, like, found a way to weaponize the inbounds pass in ways that you don't really see.
0: Here's what's interesting. When you started talking, I was thinking of Josh Giddy as an NFL quarterback as well. You talked about him in one way, which is, you know, throwing the ball, you know, in places where he's not even looking at yet, that kind of thing. I was just thinking in terms of, of switching in the middle of a play— yeah. Um seeing seeing the, the field develop and know where a guy where it can be open and say, now nah, we don't need to go to that side, we'll go to this side. And that's he's just so he's just so intuitive with the game of basketball. Um I wonder if it's an Australian thing. Um you know, Ben Simmons is a little like that. Um, yeah. and of course Ben Simmons grew up in, in Australia, so um I don't I don't know if that's an Australian thing or not, but it sure is a cool thing for the Thunder to have that guy playing quarterback in in a two minute drill.
1: Yeah, takes the pressure off Mark Dagnall. He doesn't even have to call uh, inbound sets anymore. Just just yeah. a giddy look at a guy and, and throw <laughs> it to him. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, and, and you know that was that was the best one he said. But he said other assists right. off of inbound passes. Yeah, all
0: kinds of cool plays. Yeah. Um, often often on the side is very difficult. You know, underneath the basket, you can get some things done, mm-hmm. um, but you don't see many. You don't see many uh, touchdowns off off uh, side out. Those plays would get the ball to somebody that can shoot, and you know, just get it to him and let him make a play, or or maybe run a play that gets them open and they can make a shot. This was this was just a dead central layup because of of, of Giddy's passing ability.
1: It happens so fast too it's like all right the thunder you know can try to tie the game here with eight and a half seconds left and he whips an inbounds pass timeout mavericks and it's yeah like they-
0: and in and and you know to to lay a little bit of blame you know 98 percent credit goes to Kenrich and and josh giddy now on the other hand williams was being guarded by Luka donkich and he's his mind was elsewhere he was griping at the refs uh i'm sure uh, while all this is going on, because that's all he did all night, um, so it helps when when a, the defender goes to sleep. All you got to do is, you know, all you got to do is sort of pay attention and, and drop step one one step, and that play doesn't happen. But that's part of it is taking advantage of a of a loose sort of a, a loose defender.
1: Yeah, and, and Doncic ends up missing what would have been the game winner. At the buzzer on a tough step-back three. um, Still had a heck of a night. He had um, 40 points, 10 assists, 6 rebounds, 16 of 33 shooting. He took 33 shots. He was 5 of 13 from three. I'm not going to pile on because everyone who watches basketball mentions this, but it really is sort of – like, he is such a good player, but it's exhausting watching him because you're right. He's talking to the officials every single trip
0: and sometimes he just quits playing to talk to him. Yeah. He literally just quits playing. Um so, you know, this is sacrilege, but you know who he reminds me of? Not in style, not in story, not in personality, not in history, but just in the sort of the way he plays, he reminds me of Russell Westbrook. Yeah. I mean, Westbrook will just flat go to sleep on defense because he's, you know, politicking with the refs, or he'll, you know, he'll have a phenomenal game. I mean, did you see Doncic, Doncic in overtime when it got sort of hairy? He said, give me the ball, and he goes to the basket and gets a couple of baskets. Seven seconds left, six seconds left in the ball game. He just sort of dribbles it up and takes a 28-footer, step-back 28-footer. In a tie game, golly, go to the basket. You are Luka Doncic. They might foul you. Um, well, and he's so you know, you strong. You might get to the basket. Yeah, they you no know, all kinds of things. When he just sort of waited until two seconds and then took a step back three, I mean, Mark
1: Dagnall thought this is you know this is fabulous. So also, I know I know he's hit some big three pointers, especially those step backs. But I looked this up yesterday because um. Was uh, of the guys who attempt at least seven three pointers per game, uh, there's 36 of them, and Dort ranks 32nd in percentage, and I think Doncic was last at 36. Really? So you'll certainly live with that shot.
0: Yes, yes, yes. So, um, but it was a it was a phenomenal game. Now that you know the uh, the Mavericks were missing a couple of big weapons, they're without Porzingis and and Tim Hardaway. And Hardaway seems to shoot about 94% against the Thunder. <laughs> um, he rarely yeah. misses a shot against OKC. But the Thunder's playing without Shea Gilgis-Alexander. And when you don't have that many good players and you're missing your best, there's no excuses on the other side. So,
1: yeah. uh, it Uh they, the th- they were also starting Mamadi Diakite because Jeremiah Robinson Earl was a late scratch. So Well,
0: there you go. There you go. Um, um, so yeah it, to me it was a an outstanding an outstanding victory It's unfortunate for the lottery balls, but it was a lot of fun and it it's one of those games where it sort of emboldens a trey man who was phenomenal it emboldens Lou dort who is just you know, turning into a wonderful ball player right before our very eyes.
1: He so, had fourteen points in overtime. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: He just basically took over the overtime. I wonder what the Thunder record. I wonder if Durant ever scored fourteen in an in overtime or Westbrook. They probably did. Um, but that's a lot of points. That's five minutes. That's five minutes. And uh, let, let's look. Did he? Did he open overtime with a shot? I think. I think he opened overtime with a basket, didn't that? I think he did. Let's look. Uh, no Williams, uh, yeah Dort at four oh four, makes a three pointer that breaks the tie, and Dort's last foul shots come at twenty one seconds. So we're talking, we're basically talking three minutes and forty five seconds span. He scores fourteen points in three
1: forty five. you you brought up his free throw percentage uh, the other night. He's six of six tonight.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah 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 yeah. So. Yeah, everything about that was everything about that was pretty cool. And, it, and here's another guy that played really well. He didn't shoot it all that great, but I thought Darius Baisley was really good. Even a couple of times, he gets uh, he gets matched over onto to Doncic and held his own pretty good.
1: He got that block like the block when Doncic just <coughs> ISO'd him and that step back. Yeah. He's yeah,
0: yeah. He's, yeah I, I thought it was a good step for Darius Baisley. He had eleven rebounds, thirteen points. Um, played thirty-five minutes during which the Thunder was uh, played Dallas even. So I was very, I was yeah. very.
1: Uh, and Desmore stuck with me. him in the closing minutes as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, despite the giddy pass, despite the the Dort overtime, Barry. I will. I. I'll remember this game as the Trey Mann game because it was his breakout. 8 of 14, he was 6 of 8 from 3, 7 of 8 from the free throw line. Kerr high 29 points. He had a free throw at the end um, that cost him a 30-point game, which Josh Giddy gave him grief for in the post-game press conference. was like, you know, Trey played nice, but he didn't have 30, and Trey was standing right there, and he just shakes his head. So, um, But he is... He He's such a, he's so fun to watch, especially on this Thunder team, just because he brings something that they don't have. And obviously Shea and Giddy are better players than he is, but like his, the electricity that he has, the the handle that he has, that step back dribble, the shot, like, um, I, I think he's a really good compliment to those two bigger guards who, you know, are more savvy than they are. You know speed and everything like door uh excuse me man just brings a different dimension and i i have a ton of fun watching him play
0: he is and he's just he appears to be a pure shooter which frankly has been something that the thunder has been short on for low these many years like 14 years <laughs> um
1: he's up to 39 percent
0: yeah now couple of things. He was great at the line. that He made seven in a row before the miss you talked about. But coming into the game, though, he was 23 of 33 from the line this year, which is a little bit disconcerting to me. I mean, I want guys to step up there and just make foul shots automatically. If you're, if you're a great NBA shooter, you can, go, you can stand with your back to the basket and make foul shots. Close your eyes and make them. So I want to know why he hasn't been great at the line, although it's a, it's a small sample size, no doubt. But, but clearly, he does bring an element to this team. Um, the truth of the matter is, this, this last season and this season, th- these Thunder seasons, are about finding young players who you can use going forward and positioning yourself for, for more of those through the lottery. And it's been, you know, Trey Mann's been an, uh, an unqualified success. you got to look at this draft and say, golly, what a draft for the Thunder. To get Giddy and Mann, you know, everybody, when the, when the lottery balls didn't fall, uh, you know, 25% chance at two top five picks, you end up with zero. And you still end up with Giddy and Mann. you got to walk away and say, hey, the, the 21 draft was very good to the Thunder.
1: I was thinking about that exact thing last night because you remember how um leading up to the draft, no no one knew what was going on, but all of the mock drafts had the thunder ticking James Buck Knight out of Yukon at number six, and he was billed as this like electric score, microwave score, like Jordan Clarkson type. He that ends up being bad information. He falls to, you know, eleven, twelve, thirteen, whatever it was, and, and goes to the Hornets. The drafts giddy at six. And then they get Trey Mann at 18, which, like, fits the exact description of what everyone was saying about book night. And I know it's early, but um, to, to get that guy at 18, he just, like, maybe – I I don't want to put this as a ceiling, but he sure looks like a guy who could be that microwave sixth man off the bench who just scores at time.
0: Yep. I'm trying to think of a comp. Who's a good comp in the NBA as, in terms of a veteran? Um,
1: I mean, I think Clark- I think Jordan Clarkson is the easy
0: one. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. He's, you know, Dennis Schroeder was that role in the, for the Thunder for two years and was good at it. But Schroeder was more of a a penetrator, driver, finisher type than a than a ace shooter. Which man, you know, he had another floater or two last night, which were really cool. I love the floaters. Um, but he doesn't always get all the way to the basket or want to. But he's. He's uh, a better shooter than Schroeder is, but you know historically that's what the Thunder has needed is yeah, and, and uh, not needed. It's what they've had when they've been good. Whether it's James Harden or Reggie Jackson or, or Dennis Schroeder, they've had a an outstanding sixth man, and that's that's uh, a really good thing if 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 he can get into that role, that would be fantastic.
1: Yeah, he and you know. He he looks smaller because he's he's really skinny and he needs to put some weight on. But he's listed at six five. I think that might be a tad generous. Now your um, good
0: friends your good friends at Basketball Reference call him six three.
1: Um, oh really? Yeah. Okay.
0: So that, I wonder I, I wonder where everybody gets their information. I don't yeah. actually know. What he does look smaller than that, but then six five. Yeah. By the way, it's also uh, happy birthday to one. Trey Mann, he's 21 today, so 21, 21 today. Happy birthday!
1: It's also yeah. Isaiah Roby's birthday.
0: Um, they share a birthday. That's got to be
1: wild. They they share a birthday. Um, shout out to Isaiah Roby because there's not much else to talk about. He's he's injured. By the way, the Thunder has three guys on the injury report, all with a right ankle sprain, and. Um, Aaron Wiggins. will get an update on him, but he looked like he might have turned an ankle too last night because uh, he went out of the game. So this,
0: if, if, that was bad because I'm I'm still holding out hope for the five man rookie, the the, the all rookie lineup. I think that would be really cool. Um, but the Thunder starts three last night, and um, you know Wiggins didn't end up getting to play a ton. Well, he played 24 minutes. Um, and he had a solid game, nothing outstanding. But, you know, the, th- the three rookies who did play were were tremendous.
1: Are you intrigued at all by Diakite? Uh, not really, no. Um, You're not buying the Serge Ibaka comp that Mike Mascala <laughs> gave? <laughs> uh, no, I
0: am not. Uh, I am not. <laughs> Serge Ibaka. The longer we live without Serge, I think the less we remember how great he was. I mean, his instincts for blocking shots, that's a—that's not an acquired skill. They don't go down to the store and buy that. You don't go to the gym and work on it. It's just something you're born with. And uh, one of my all-time favorite NBA people, this would have been, in, I think, in 2011. It might have been 2010. But it's either Serge's first or second year. I'm talking to Hubie Brown, and he said, "Listen, this guy," he said, "this guy has the instincts of Bill Russell." He said, "People don't have those instincts. Serge Ibaka has the block, shot-blocking instincts of a of a Bill Russell." And the truth is, we forget the rim protector that Serge Ibaka was back in the day. He's been gone now. How long has Serge been gone? He's traded in the summer of. 16 if i remember right so he's been gone almost six years and you know early in his in his career he's even better he'd gotten hurt a little bit and banged up but when he was 21 22 years old he was something special so no forgive me if i don't if i don't put diacati in his in serge's uh, uh serge's class
1: <laughs> i think that's i think that's more than fair um so Barry Josh Giddy, he was announced on Wednesday as the Rookie of the Western Conference, Rookie of the Month, in January, and, you know, make what you want uh, about how big of a deal these these Rookie of the Month um, awards are, but it's just interesting to me because it tells you, like, th- this looks like it can be an incredible rookie class, by the way, there's there's so much talent, but also... Almost all of the talent, top-end talent, is in the Eastern Conference. Um, Giddy has swept the award in the West. He doesn't have a ton of competition. And yet he's still, you know, I said he's going to have to fight to finish in the top three of rookie of the year voting. It looks like, you know, barring a drastic downturn, Evan Mobley is going to win. Cade Cunningham, I think, would finish second at this point. And then you throw Giddy in with Franz Wagner and Scotty Barnes, and I think it's going to be a good competition. But just for fun... I looked at the list of guys who have swept Rookie of the Month honors um, during their rookie seasons, and I'm going to read it to you real quick. Doncic, Carl Anthony Towns, Damian Lillard, Blake Griffin, Chris Paul, LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, Tim Duncan, David Robinson, and Ralph Sampson. So if <laughs> his February Rookie of the Month defense is off to a good start. Um, the only one of those guys who didn't win rookie of the year was Carmelo Anthony, and that's because he had the pleasure of playing his rookie season when LeBron James played his rookie season, and LeBron won rookie of the year. But um, I, don't, I don't know. What, what, do you th- what do you think of this class just in general and what we've seen from them?
0: Well, it's, it's really good. Um, you know, my favorite guy coming out of the draft was Jalen Suggs. And he's been fine. He's averaging 12 points a game, and he's been okay. But I, in NBA.com's weekly rookie rankings, he's number nine. And you got you got guys like uh, sort of coming out of the out of the blue, like uh, Wagner Franz Wagner at Orlando, averaging 15 points a game, and Herbert Jones with the Pelicans is playing a bunch. And uh, Dasun May, did I say his right name? Dasun, Dasun May. May. At Chicago is you know playing really well on he's a good team. He's been a team. steal
1: second rounder.
0: Yeah, and, and uh, Duarte at, at Indiana. So it's a very deep class, no doubt about it. Um, and guys like uh, oh the dude at Houston, um, Jalen Green. Jalen Green hasn't you know he's not even in the top ten of the of the uh, NBA rookie NBA rookie rankings. So. Scotty Barnes has been really good in Toronto, so it's no doubt about it. It's deep. The yep. uh, the tenth guy in their rookie rankings is Jonathan Kaminga, who's actually uh, you know in the rotation for Golden State and helping them some to some degree. And a lot of people didn't even think he'd do that. So yep. it's a it's a good it's a good class. And Giddy is right there. NBA.com's got him ranked fourth among the rookies behind. Cunningham, Mobley, and Scotty Barnes at Toronto. So it's a, it's a deep class. He's not going to win rookie of the year, um, but he is the best in the West, and that's uh, that's pretty uh, good for the Thunder. They'll take that.
1: Yeah. Uh, Barry, let's wrap up with some trade talk because today is February 3rd. The trade deadline is February 10th, which means we're exactly one week away Um If you guys are interested in checking out, checking it out, I I wrote a trade deadline primer. Um, You can find that at oklahoman.com. Barry, um, I want to ask you because I've talked about this a little bit, but what do you, I guess just, let's start big picture. Like, what do you expect at the trade deadline? Um, And, you know, just. Like, Kenrich Williams, do you think he could be on the move? Do you think the Thunder is going to take in bad money? Like, what's your feel so far?
0: Well, I got an interesting email from a, a, a fan today, last night or this morning, and he, he was wanting to talk NBA trades, and he listed guys that might be available and, and wondered if it's time for the Thunder to, to pull the trigger on, you know, somebody like, Melvin Bagley-Buddy-Heald combination or, you know, something along that lines, uh, Ben McLemore, that kind of thing. The Thunder's not interested in that. They don't, they're not interested in that. Um,
1: yeah.
0: But what about bigger fish? Uh, John Collins, Ben Simmons, Sabonis, Jeremy Grant, uh, Christian Wood, Siakam, that, that crowd of, of pretty real star-type players who, for whatever reason, a lot of different reasons, might be on the block. And the truth is the Thunder's not in that market either. Not now. No, They're not in – this is not the season when the Thunder's interested in improving the team in for the present. Mm-hmm. They're still building for the future. So that eliminates a lot of a lot of stuff, which means the Thunder might they might t- take on um, they might do a trade. Clearly, they'd do a trade for draft assets. You want to give them some more draft picks. You know, their their, their quest to have every draft pick of the next seven years. You know, that they would be interested in in doing that. If you want any kind of good pick, which I don't think it's possible to get another first-rounder. You might get a second-rounder or two for Kenrich Williams or a Mike Muscala. But those are problematic because I think they like those two guys, as, as you've written about it, as uh, uh, franchise uh, senseis or, you know, not necessarily they're not cornerstones, but guys they like having around. So mm-hmm. I think it's unlikely they would trade one of those guys. Now, bringing on a bad contract—the Joe Ingles thing you wrote about—I thought that made perfect sense. Um, if you can, the, the Jazz—if they can—if they can get somebody, to just take Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles doesn't even have to leave the building. I mean, he's not—he his contract's about to end, and he's he's got the ACL. Heck, you know, you could trade him to the Thunder, and he wouldn't even have to leave the. The Utah facility, probably. So, you know, throw in a second. You know, take Joe Ingles for a second round pick, and uh, I think they can just do it with no with no anything, right? I mean, the Thunder wouldn't have to throw in anything.
1: They they can just absorb the contract,
0: right? So, no reason I, not I, to do that.
1: I feel like that's a no brainer. Yeah, I, I mean,
0: it's twenty five million dollars. I mean, I know these guys have a lot of money, but twenty five million dollars is a lot of money.
1: So I think that's going to happen. I don't yeah. know why. why. Joe, Joe Ingles is not going to help the Jazz this season because he's torn his ACL. And if they just keep him on the roster, you're right. If they trade him, he can still, you know, live in Salt Lake City, and it saves them $25 million <laughs> 25 off the luxury dollars. tax. Uh, and it helps the Thunder get to the floor. Um, so it's, yeah, that's a no-brainer. Um it was it was nice that we mentioned Serge Ibaka earlier because if the Clippers are still wanting to do that, I think that would be another situation where the Thunder could absorb his money nine point seven million. Now Serge is still playing. Um, I, I, I understand he played seven years in Oklahoma City. But I would be shocked if that's anything but like a buyout and then, you know, Serge goes and and plays somewhere else. But I I think the most likely moves you're going to see are those types of moves where the Thunder collects extra second round picks. By the way, they they did this exact same thing with Derek Favors um, in the offseason with the Jazz, saving the Jazz some money. Now, Favors had two years left um, and he is healthy, but I it just seems like they're natural trade partners for that. Barry, the other things I wrote about, first off, I totally agree with you. They're not trading for Sabonis, Simmons, Turner, Collins, insert other big name. They're they're just not gonna do that. That that's something that they might consider, you know, once their core is in place, once they yeah. have whoever they're <laughs> drafting Next the, year, like if right. they get Jabari Smith, then yeah, maybe you go and, and add one of those other guys. But it's going to be a different group of guys. There's always going to be those guys available. Now it's just, it, it makes no sense to do it right now. No, I don't think.
0: No, it may this time next year maybe depending on how the lottery goes. But now, um, yeah, it's just not. It's it's not the time for it. It's not the time. The Thunder actually, the Thunder could make. You could make two deals that would turn the Thunder right now into one of the, let's see, how far down we go. One of the seven, eight best, one of the eight best teams in the
1: West. The, the play-in is gettable in the, in the West. Yes,
0: <laughs> with one trade, with one trade. <laughs> they might even, they would have a chance to avoid the play-in with two trades. But, <laughs> but that. Would also uh, cripple the future assets, and it would not guarantee that three years from now, the Thunder is going to be one of the top six teams in the West because those guys you're trading for may be hitting the road, Jack. So, yeah, here's what I would say
1: like, if you want the Thunder to win big, are you? I I love Sabonis, but are you comfortable with like SGA Giddy Sabonis being? the core and if so like that team's not going to like win the west
0: no and probably not make the west finals no you might make the west semifinals, which would be great fun and everybody would be excited and i'd be i'd be leading the parade waving the flag but (laughs) you wouldn't you wouldn't you wouldn't go you weren't going to make the west finals doing that barring you know crazy offense
1: i uh I'm going to get sidetracked for just two minutes, but I want to ask you about something. I, I, I haven't, um, I don't watch a ton of like college basketball or look at these draft prospects during the NBA season. But OU played Auburn the other day. What'd you see from Jabari Smith?
0: I liked him. He clearly skilled. He's clearly tall. He clearly can get bigger. Now he's not quite as tall. It doesn't seem as Durant, and not quite as skilled. But he's actually more of an inside guy. I'm trying to think of a, you know, big, tall guy like that. He's like a six ten center who's skilled. You know, he can shoot a three. He can dribble some on the perimeter. So I liked him. I liked him a lot. If 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 the Thunder comes home with Jabari Smith in the draft, all these, you know, all these uh, frustrating losses are worth it. That's what I would yeah. say. That's what I would say. I liked him a lot.
1: Barry, if, would you, so in my trade deadline primer, basically the whole theme of it was I I wouldn't expect anything big. If there is something big, and I think this is unlikely, but I'm past the point uh, that I would be stunned by it. Lou Dort, he's under contract for one more season. He's going to be extension eligible I think he's going to get anywhere between 14 and 18 million annually on his next deal. Obviously, a great story with the Thunder. I think the spacing concerns aren't a concern now because this team isn't built to win. But if Giddy, SGA, Dort, if none of them prove to be, you know, I mean, one of them has to be an above average NBA shooter, but Dort has to be an average shooter maybe for the spacing to work. I think if a team called the Thunder, and I don't think they would offer this, but if they said two first-round picks and they're legitimate first-round picks, not necessarily early, but even mid to late, would you entertain that?
0: Yeah, probably. Because I do think they worry about Dort's price tag a year from now and the fit, a little less so on the fit. Because here's the deal, Lou Dort can help any team. Guys who stop the other guys from scoring, they'll put you on – you can play on any team in America. And I don't care if you're playing soccer, hockey, baseball. I don't care what you're playing. They'll find a way to use you.
1: That's part of the point, though, of his value now, is that he is a plug-and-play guy who can help a good team. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. And um, the the thing that worries me, and I think it worries the Thunder, from a trading standpoint is – the guy keeps making these exponential jumps. Yeah. Wouldn't I? Wouldn't wouldn't hurt me to wait until he quits improving to see, <laughs> you know, how, so see what you really
1: got. He's got. Wait. Wait you know, till he levels uh, off.
0: Yeah. How about? You know. What if? You know. What if? What if he starts? What if he starts shooting? You know, a fourteen pull up, a fourteen foot pull up all the time. He already can go the basket pretty good, and he's always a, already a decent three-point shooter. What if he can, you know, take three dribbles and knock his defender into the popcorn seats and shoot an open 14-footer about any time he wants to? Nothing surprises me about this guy, and he's fearless. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't trade him just because I was afraid of losing him. I would only trade him if somebody says we got to have this guy. What do you want? That's the only way I would trade Lou against Dort.
1: Yeah. And it's not like we're just making, you know, this trade on a computer. There's obviously real people involved. And I'm not sure how much of this factors, but Lou and Shay are best friends. Um, They live together for a year. Lou's a fan, he he might be the most popular player on the Thunder roster, uh, just given his path. So I think that certainly factors in. And like you mentioned before, it factors in with Kenrich Williams. And it factors in with Mike Mascala. Now it's easy for me to say totally removes from the situation, but man, I Kenrich Williams is a great story. But I, I really think the Thunder should trade him, even if it even if the return is two second round picks. And I know that might be selling low, um, but if that's a the best available, I think you take it. Um, you know, Kenrich can you know help a contender or or whoever trades for him and then return. It, it may not be as big of a deal with, with Shay out depending on how many games he's missed, but the Thunder has won two games in a row now um, against the Blazers at, um, at Dallas. They've got a couple winnable games coming up. I just think the return on that trade is twofold. It weakens the current roster helps the lottery odds. Um, and you get a couple of second round picks for, for Kenridge Williams. I, I just don't think like, you know, you can hold on to a guy, he's 27 year old role player. It'd be hard for me to imagine him sticking all the way through for the rebuild, even when the Thunder is a good team again. So,
0: and, um, I, I, and I know what Kenrich said about it. I want to be part of this place, uh, blah blah blah, all the things he said. But if you traded him to the Jazz or whoever, somebody really needs him. I mean, he seems like a perfect fit in Utah with Ingles. The, the, ja-
1: the Jazz is the, the team But I'm thinking.
0: It, it, you know, I know Ken Rich Williams, he's very appreciative and, and blessed that he got an opportunity to play in Oklahoma City and show what he can do. But their next step, and the real step, is getting the opportunity to play and show what you can do in the playoffs. That's when you really make a reputation.
1: Or, or on a good team. Yeah, on a good and, team. And,
0: and let me tell you what. If he goes to Utah and plays a series or two and plays well, the avenues open in his career are are, are manifested uh, by by threefold. Just because that's when people are really paying attention. That's when you get... You get uh, teams really zoning in and saying, this guy can do it on the big stage. And, um, you know, Trevor Ariza is a good example to me. I mean, he was just sort of a player. And then he ended up getting to play in some bunch of big games and marquee games and said, this guy's valuable. And he, now for eight years, he really hadn't done anything. But people keep, you know, trotting him out there because they, they uh, Trevor Ariza. And it's where, I guess this is the way to put it, the playoffs are where reputations are made. It's yeah. where reputations are made.
1: Pe- people are aware on a national scale—not like an average fan, but the people are who are paying attention. They know who Kenrich Williams is, and he's a bench player on one of the worst teams in the NBA. And so, like you're saying, if he's playing, <laughs> if he's you know guarding. Devin Booker in the in the Western Conference playoffs, and people are really going to know who he is. So yeah, or, I, I, you know, I I totally agree. Denver, same way. I think Denver would. You know,
0: I don't know if they're how many of their guys are getting back, but Denver's always had guys like, like Kenrich Williams, guys that you know they they trot out you know fourteen wings in the rotation sometimes, and they seem a little short now. So I, I also think, think he teams- could
1: knock sense into a team like Brooklyn.
0: Oh heck, yeah! He'd really
1: help Brooklyn. Yeah, I mean, he would.
0: He he's got the possibility. Probably wouldn't, but at least he'd have a shot to bring a little shame to to James Harden and Kyrie Irving. Yeah. Probably wouldn't, but they, they'd at least think about it, huh? What if I played fourteen percent as hard as that guy plays? Wonder how good I
1: could be. <laughs> oh man. So, so you seem to be you seem to be on board with trading Kenrich Williams.
0: Yeah, I don't see why not. I mean, I love him to death, but you know, when when the Thunder, it's the same way with whether you know, it's the same question as when we talk about a a a young guy, whether it's Aaron Wiggins or Robinson Earl or whoever. Is he going to help you when you get good?
1: Yeah, the likelihood is incredibly low, and and, and also. And, what do you go? You're going to have to pay him on his next contract. If you do want to keep him for when you're good. Yeah. So
0: the odds that he's going to be here long-term anyway, are small. I think.
1: Um, also, I've made this joke before, but like the thunder and I love Kenridge Williams. He's a joy to talk to you, but the thunder culture is not going to crumble. If Kenrich Williams gets traded away.
0: No, probably, <laughs> no, probably not. Probably not.
1: Um, um but I would miss him. I would miss him. No, I I, I would miss him too. Um, he's he's been candid to, to work with, and he, he's he's fun to watch. The energy is is crazy. And again, it bears repeating. Like, this is a guy who is a total throw-in on the Stephen Adams deal. He signed. It was a sign and trade with New Orleans um, just to make the money work. He signed a three-year, six million-dollar contract, all unguaranteed money. Two million, two million, two million. His contract next season is two million dollars, non-guaranteed money. Um, so, like you said, he's, you know, he's he's playing for his next contract. Like that's that's what it comes down to um, for him. But hey, the stuff about him wanting to s- stay in Oklahoma City—that's not just him saying it. Like it is, it's totally real. Now, I'm with you. If he did get moved, I think he would enjoy playing in the playoffs. But that's a situation worth watching. Um, other guys I mentioned, you know Ty Jerome hasn't shot it well if he was shooting it well I think maybe he, he would be of somewhat interest. Um, we've talked about the Mescala situation if a team wants to you know buy high on Darius Baisley from what they've seen but I, I just don't see I just don't see many moves on this on this team.
0: No, I'm, I'm with you. Um, this is, we've talked about all the, the major possibilities, but this is sort of what they are and what they're going to go with, you know, the rest in, through April. So, um, you get a lot of, here's a way to look at it you get a lot of trade movement, a lot of trade talk, a lot of trade deals when you're trying to get really good or get better, or you're trying to break down. You realize, well, oh, we're out of it. We need to break down. The Thunder's not doing any of that. They've already broken down. They're not contending for anything. When you're playing the long game, the trade deadline has a lot less value. Yeah. So that's, it's, something could break, but the odds are, are short.
1: Yeah, they're sort of in this in-between stage. They've already sold on their big pieces, but they're not yet ready to buy more big pieces. Um, so, so yeah, I would expect a fairly quiet trade deadline. I'd expect the Thunder to to be the perfect, uh, you know, just do a favor to anyone who, who needs one. Like, hey, we've got this contract we don't like anymore. Who's willing to take it? And Sam Presti raises his hand, so... Um, Barry, that was a that was a marathon pod, at least by our standards. But I enjoyed it. I didn't it. even um,
0: trash, and I didn't even trash the Mavericks, who I don't even like. Do, do, don't, well, the floor is yours if you want to trash the Mavericks. I don't like that team at all. I don't. I don't think Jason Kidd's a very good coach. But I tip my cap to him. They're twenty nine and twenty three. I have no idea how that team's twenty nine and twenty three. They
1: they've played great defense lately, which is surprising. That, uh, yeah, so I don't. That's a bunch. So uh, I don't know. It's uh, fully, fully healthy though. You know, with the West is what it is. Like they're they're not on. Obviously, they're not on Phoenix's level. Utah. Like, where where do you put them if they're fully healthy?
0: Fully healthy. I don't think uh, they're no like, better than eighth. Fully wow. healthy. Yeah, I mean, fully healthy. I mean, Utah, Denver. Um, Lakers, Clippers, um, Warriors, Suns, that's six, um, Memphis, that's seven. So, uh, fight in Minnesota for eighth in the West, if everybody's fully healthy. Man. That's what I'd say.
1: Yeah. I I know they're strained with what they can do salary-wise, but the time is now for Dallas, and you know, I, they're sort of they're sort of stuck. But you they can't have waste not, these Donchich years.
0: They have not been well run for the last decade. No, they've not been well operated. That's just no. the truth.
1: All right, I'm glad. You, you feel better, Barry? That you were able to, to get that in.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I kept thinking, Golly And and Doncic doesn't look like a supreme leader to me. Um, maybe he is, but it doesn't look like one. Yeah, Joe who spends half his time bitching. Doesn't do much for me.
1: The uh, Thunder Mavericks series is over, um, so we we, we don't it's have to uh, talk about more okay. Mavericks games. Has um, the Thunder now played every, after playing
0: Portland the other night? Have they played every team in the NBA? Oh man! You got any East teams they hadn't played yet? Um, Charlotte,
1: Orlando, Miami. Have they played Miami. Or I don't think they have played Orlando or Miami. Have they? Oh really? I don't know. No, the No, 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 no. My, Miami came to Oklahoma City. I should know this, but it all runs together. It um, does run together. It do run together. All right. Thank you guys for listening to the Thunder Buddies podcast. And we'll be back with you later this week to talk more Thunder Basketball.